Hi, everybody. I just want to remind you again that I'm on YouTube. Kyle Nick on Film. Kyle Nick on Film, where we critique two movies a week, and every Saturday we have Scary Movie Saturday. Um, check out the link down below. Like and subscribe our show. Um, there's some great options for our Patreon to tell us what to do. So check it out, and you get to see me what I look like <laughs> as well. Kyle Nick on Film. And thanks for watching. Okay, we're here with Jessica, and she knows it's dedication time. Jessica, what would you like to dedicate this episode to? Hello. I'd like to dedicate this to my parents, who um, were very artistic and very free-spirited, and they really encouraged us to do what we wanted and to take risks. Oh, that's good. That's an important part of when you do being a creative person to... Do the risks because yeah. I know a lot of passionate people who love movies and want to be an actresses, but or something, but they just fear the risks of doing it. Mm -hmm. And I think that helps when, especially when creative parents sit, encourage, like you're going to fail. It's all right. Keep yeah, going. yeah, yeah. Maybe more by example, I think, rather than just talking to us about it. Yeah. Um, I felt like I just saw that they they took risks sometimes absolutely out of necessity and then other times because they were just really driven and excited to do something new yes okay i love it let's get started Okay, we're back on the show, and we're almost winding down for the season. Um, and then, of course, when we wind down the season, we have to hit with the big super guests. And we have a great guest today. And today we have... Jessica Mraz. That's how you say your last name, Mraz. Mraz. Okay, I've been saying it wrong. Mraz. Mraz. Hey, you know, yeah. uh, some people say Mraz and some people say Mraz. Okay. And uh, either is is right. So it's a this common name, actually. Okay. All right. Well, thank you for being forgiving. Okay. Mraz. I love it. It's a little more exotic that way. I like when you do your eyes a little more. Mraz. But, but uh, Jessica does a variety of things and on actresses, voiceover coaching and all that stuff. So if you want to just tell the audience that are kind of new, what is kind of your little nexus thing that you oh, do? Oh, great. Well, I'm yeah. super happy to be here. So thanks for having me. Thank you. Yeah. Um, I would say that primarily I'm a voiceover artist. Um, I also do on camera. Uh, commercials yeah. and I've done some film and um, but I spend most of my time behind the mic and uh, voicing different types of of work different genre of voiceover so I think you're a little more comfortable with a mic in front of you than most people including actor more actresses because <laughs> I've had actresses on my studio and they're so far away because like the boom mic has to be out of the picture. But like, no, you have to get closer to that. Yes. So it's a little, you're a little more acclimated, a little more comfortable with the microphone yeah. right in your face. Yeah, yeah. I am. Yeah. Um, so I really like doing voiceover because it's a way for me to express myself and still maintain a private life. Kind of, right, yeah. yeah. 
And I know people think it's a, like a la- more like a lazy because it's just you can almost do it in your sweatpants. And but there's a little more discipline to it. There's a lot more. And I'm I'm glad to hear because there's a lot of misnomers that people think oh voiceover acting is just that you just go there with your sweatpants and you just speak your lines and then you go home. But there's a little <laughs> more of a discipline to that. Than- yeah, it's. There is. Um, would you like to hear what it is? Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> okay. This is why you're here, right? So, yeah, yeah. so voiceover can be seen as easy if you have been doing it for a very long time and, and you've learned all the techniques and skill that you need, and so you make it sound easy. But you don't have anything else to bounce off of when you're doing voiceover. You don't have your good looks to get you through. <laughs> you don't have anybody else to interact with in person because you're by you're yourself. Unless right? you're doing doubles and you happen to be in the same booth with your scene partner, which is right. rare these days. And you have to create these images and these stories just with your voice. You can't use your... you. No one can see you, so -hmm. you can't tell the story with your hands or your eyes or your body movements or your big smile. Everything has to come through your voice. So it is a very different form of art than anything on camera. If I can use an example of like Maggie Gyllenhaal, who was in the movie The Dark Knight, Mm -hmm. who did a wonderful performance in that movie. But she had to do, her character in the movie wrote a letter, a love letter. And then the movie, Michael Caine playing Alfred opened up the letter and she had to voice over the letter mm-hmm. that's totally in a studio and she had to do it with her voice a very somber mm-hmm. if you right. watch it mm-hmm. she does it's very obvious she's taken voice over acting classes yes because she has a very salacious it's almost teary just to hear say the words she's she written as well yeah and then as encouragement like if you're even if you're in a movie you probably will have to do some kind of voiceover work as well that's right yeah, so it's it's a ne- almost a necessity if you want to be an actress, isn't it? Well, I think it's it's really great. <laughs> I think it's yeah. really fun, and I think it's one more way to express yourself. Yeah. Um, and there are just so many different types of voiceover that it that it isn't just uh, doing you know, ADR for a movie or, um, I guess you know a phone call or something in a movie it's really about animation or you can do radio imaging commercials audiobooks so there's a variety explainer of videos yeah. everything there's so there's so a variety much. of disciplines of how no, you can different train genre just like some people are um in all different types of films some people just do commercials some people do comedy um so, I mean, even yeah. there are voice actors that strictly do podcasts, so. Well, how, how long have you been doing voiceover coaching? I've been a voiceover coach for three years. And um, right now I just teach one night a week. Okay. As that's all that I have time to dedicate to it. And <laughs> I and then I also teach private lessons for students that, um, that, that I choose to teach, you know, one-on-one okay. classes. How old do you have to be to be in your class? Um, well, I have taught kids' classes, actually. Okay. I've taught some workshops. And once in a while, I'll do a workshop. Um, I like to do the workshops in person, and we haven't had that opportunity because of COVID. Yeah. So um, I might do something It's next a little year. awkward, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, and with kids, I, I just 
couldn't imagine teaching a bunch of kids on Zoom. I think that wouldn't be fair. So, um, but I have taught children and during when COVID set in and there were just no classes and, and everybody was at home, yeah. I did free Fridays. And so every Friday I would work with two kids on the phone and I would teach them and we would go over scripts together and um, they would read the scripts and I just did that um, just to give back to the community and to keep people engaged. I think a lot of people were doing that, a lot of coaches. So I, I did that and it's wonderful to see some of those children um, performing and booking work and you know some of them are at more creative and nuts and other agencies so it's I believe we have some previous guests of the show that have your class like Arden um, Michalik was in your classes and stuff yes. like that yeah so it's, yes. it's um, and it helps being you know you, even voiceover cl- classes helps being a guest on a podcast as well because <laughs> you have to work on your posture and everything yes. I mean, I'm doing this and I'm having a bad <laughs> posture but exactly. but right um do you do be like beginners or how would people be interested in getting your classes? Oh, well, so I advertise on Facebook and then it's also um, my wonderful uh, webmaster and designer puts mm-hmm. everything up on my website. So okay. I teach a class that is on Wednesday nights and normally I will work with actors that have some acting experience. Sure. Theater actors generally do very well in voiceover because they have a lot of breath control and they're used to projecting their voice automatically. So yeah, you got to hear me in the back. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I will work with them. Um, and so people usually come to me. It's mostly word of mouth. I don't do any like big paid advertising yet. Sure. Not, um, yet. not yet. And because I do it because I love it. I'm not a full-time coach. I'm a full-time working voice actor. And so I, I coach people because I enjoy it. And I'm always learning from other people too. And I like to help people learn quickly and start working. So as soon as possible, rather than going to classes for two and three years. I think that some people are ready in four to six months. Some people need a year. So people come to me at different levels. And because I coach individually in my classes, okay. they can there can be somebody who's just starting out and somebody who's ready to uh, produce a demo or have a demo recorded in the same class. And they're not really, uh, there's no conflict because... Everybody brings something to the class. Some people have perfect diction and uh, a beautiful pacing. Other people just have an incredible voice and and like really energy. great sense of humor. Yeah. So everybody brings different skills and talents. And um, so yeah, yeah, my classes are usually full. I've been teaching on Wednesdays now for three years. It's exciting to have a full class. It's, it yeah, is. You're right. Yeah. It is. I usually have four students. Sometimes I allow six. And then we do a follow-up call on Saturday mornings, and I, I coach each one of them for 15 minutes, and that's their time to talk to me about whatever they need, voiceover, and to do a script as well, read a script. So. And you help them get like a demo kind of started for voiceover? Um, usually I will I will help them prepare for a demo. I got so it. I help them select scripts, and, um, yeah. and I help them connect with a producer, and then the producer takes over from there. And then once it has been, they've done their recording, um, I listen to all of the clips, and then I tell them uh, where I think they might need to re-record or uh, which clips I think are the best. Say they have 15 clips and they can only use seven or eight on a demo. Um, I will say, okay, I like this one, but I feel like you're holding back on this. I think you need to re-record, or I think that the music for this is off, or just something, or I'll help them assemble it. and. Because I know them. I know them better than a producer would. And then I never discuss this. I don't go to the producer. I don't, hey, I don't mingle. Yeah. Because they, they know how to produce and they know how to, to right. combine the tracks. And then I usually will help them 
write a letter to an agent and try to get representation. So when you do your own voiceover work, mm -hmm. um, do you have like a routine? Um, do you like rehearsals, like practice? Uh, what's, what's kind of your process when you have to do your own voiceover? Well, so there's many different components to how I like to stay on top of my craft. Okay. And um, I get several auditions per day, which I'm very fortunate. So that in itself is really great practice and being timely and organizing myself so that if I have three auditions due by 5 p.m., those are the priority over ones that are due the next day at 10 a.m. But I get them all done the first day. So I never wait until the deadline because okay. I just think it's stressful for everybody and because I want to be uh, one of the first right. recordings that people hear. So I want my voice heard first. And I don't know when the, the agents send them in, but I like to get mine out of the way and get them done. Uh, because what if something goes wrong at the last moment and you have no recourse? <laughs> yeah, yeah. And then I also do regular practice for radio imaging because that is my the newest genre that I have um, started. Radio imaging. I don't. Yeah. Uh, is, radio what is, imaging. What is this? So radio imaging is the pre-recorded sweepers that you hear in between the songs, and and uh, they are the image of the radio. So if you hear KS ninety five, that's what it yeah. is. Okay, exactly. I, I regard it as like KDWB. What the, like in the old days, they call it like the bumper. Yeah. Like, so yeah. they they call them sweepers, and so the okay. um and they also it, there's also promo involved. So you might be talking about tickets to Jingle Ball or right, something yeah. like that. And yeah. so I um actually just signed a contract for a big radio station in California. So, oh, great. Yeah. great! So I can't say I, I I know the radio station, but I I can't mention it yet because I want to be heard on the radio station, which should happen next month. So we're going to start recording pretty soon. So, <laughs> and then when that happens, then I'll, I'll feel comfortable talking, but I don't want to jinx anything. <laughs> no, not yet. And then you tell everybody, you got to wait, wait till you hear me on the, on the radio, right? Did we, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just got into radio imaging within the last few months. So it's kind of a, uh, an interesting story about how it, it came about. It's pretty cool. It's, it's, it's funny because it's maybe like a few seconds but it's a lot of work just to get that few seconds. Yeah, well, there, there's so much that we hear on the radio that we don't even realize is radio imaging. You might think it's the DJ just recording, saying something quickly. Yeah. And when you start to listen for what we call the sweepers, mm -hmm. I guess some people call them the bumpers, um, you'll hear it more. And yeah. certain radio stations have more of them than others. So sometimes bigger cities might have more sweepers than the DJ talking. And it yeah. depends if it's in the middle of the night, you know, it just really depends. We should have a sweep. We should do a sweeper for us, for our show. <laughs> <laughs> just in between yeah. a little break. <laughs> Very fun. But this is fun. This is, so you've only been doing voiceover for just a few, and then you do the classes and everything, but you started as an actress? So I started in voiceover and I started in 2016. Oh, 2016. Yeah. So I didn't start coaching right away, obviously, because I was a student. Um, but <laughs> right, logically, I, yeah. Right, yeah. 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 And um, I had been asked to do a recording, was what they called it, um, in Italian. And I speak Italian. So, oh, yeah. okay. Yeah, I used to live in Italy when I was younger. I lived there for years. And so I was an interpreter at the time, a Spanish interpreter, and I was on a roster for the Department of Health because we have to be on a roster in order to interpret. Yeah. It's kind of like our licensing. And there was a translation company that found my name and called me up and said, do you speak Italian? And the man had a really heavy accent and I could barely understand him. 
And he said, do you speak Italian? I said, I do. He said, good, you can do recording for me? And I said, okay, I don't know. What is it? And I said, is it voiceover? And he said, I think so. My partner will call you. And so then his business partner called. And it was for Aveda Corporation, the big cosmetic and spa right. industry. Oh, wow. Yeah. And I said, yeah, I'll do it. And I bargained with them because they wanted to, you know, lowball me and pay me almost nothing. But that got me started. And like three or four days later, after reviewing all these documents, I was at the Aveda headquarters in Blaine, which is here. Yeah, Blaine, Minnesota. Minnesota. Okay. And they have their own recording studio inside. And I got in the booth and I just did it. <laughs> and it took hours because it was, uh, right. they were videos. They were training videos for their concepts. But it boss. is, and, and if you've never done it before, and all of a sudden you stick in the booth and shut the door and like, okay, go. And you're like, oh. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I, I never told them that I had never done it before. But I did say, I'd like the mic adjusted. And he said, oh, I can tell you've been doing this for years. And I thought, oh, yes, I have been. <laughs> but I think I, I wanted it and I thought, all I can do is try and do my best. And when I listen to those recordings, I can hear a, a softness in my voice that, and, and a little lack of projection. Uh, I can admit that, right? It wasn't like my best recording. However, they wanted a spa voice. They wanted it to be soft. You so. could do that very well, though. So I tried. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yeah. it worked out. And then from there, I took some of that money and invested in training. And um, things took off from there. Yeah, it was great. So you... you you speak more than you speak three languages yeah so it does help for voiceover to be multilingual i think so i mean i think that having special skills of any kind uh whether you can uh are a great singer or you can yodel or you can beatbox those are all things that you can do vocally that are wonderful skills and gifts that you bring to voiceover i wouldn't say that I'm really a singer. If I need to sing a little or him, you know, hum something, I will. But I have no. I'm not really a trained singer. Well, and then the, the another thing is, I um, if we go back to this, this little bit, um, when I did my workshops for podcasting, my first thing the people never did anything like an audio recording. Someone I raised my hand. Have you ever did a recording and hear your voice? And a lot of people are like no. They just want to do a podcast, and I think the first thing you have to do is recognize that's your voice. That's how you sound, right? And you have to get comfortable. That's what you're going to be working with. <laughs> and people are really shocked the first time they hear themselves on a recording, like a real microphone. And, I, and that's the first thing I do when I do a podcast workshop. Okay, record and talk, and then that's how you sound. And a lot of people are like, "What? I don't know. I don't mm-hmm. like that." You're right, right? Because what we hear when we hear our own voice, it's going through different little bones in the ears and all of that and so it's getting filtered in in a, in a different way yes then w- when we hear a recording and when you hear it on headphones it sounds even more crystal clear and that's when you'll hear all the mouth clicks and the, the ums yeah and the um yeah. just just all of the different frequencies of the voice so, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so act you've been um acting and da- and then you were in um, previous guest uh, Alexander P. Gutterman's film, his yes. latest film, The Hunter. Yes. Um, and then they filmed that up in Duluth, Minnesota. That's right. It was two years ago. 
I can't believe it was two I know, years two, ago. Yeah, right, right. two years, it seems like last year. Um, but if you want a little more information about um, uh, the movie The Hunter, you can go back and listen to Ale- We had Alexander as a guest and talked about it. But how did you get involved with the project? With The Hunter? Yeah. Well, I had done some, some film. I okay. was in a film by Cole Meyer um, called Chased. Right, and, yeah. That, that, yeah, okay. and I have a small role in there. I play uh, the wife of, of <laughs> one of the more prominent characters. Okay. Uh, but I have a few speaking lines, which was great, and that was the second film that I was in. But from there, I think I just was taking a lot of acting classes, mm-hmm. and I was kind of trying out film and and exploring all different types of acting, right? So, yeah, right, yeah. And um, Alexander P. Gutterman contacted me and he contacted me and told me about his film and I said okay great how are how do I come into play and he said oh well I'd like you to audition for one of the roles and so okay I did and so I submitted for the woman and I had a few auditions for it and and then they cast me in the role have you been able to see the film Did you yes see? I have it has been turned into a um, web series, also known as an episodic, yeah. and will one day become a feature film. But right now, it's a web series. Just, so, it yeah, has to go through it. the hurdles. Yeah, right. Yeah, and that's in the hands of the director and and the ad. And so, yeah. um, right now, it is a beautiful episodic, and it's it's like nothing you've ever seen. Right, <laughs> Alexander works in this very non-linear, almost very dreamy, some kind of it's pull a little very surreal almost. Yeah, yeah, very mm-hmm. surreal atmosphere. Um, are you comfortable seeing yourself on film? I am. Um, you know how you talked about when people hear their voice for the first time, they don't recognize themselves, <laughs> right? And almost, sometimes uh, they're turned off. Yeah. I didn't. When I heard my voice, I thought, wow, I sound great. And I, I agree. do ads in a really funny way. Yeah. I can't believe in a way that my coaches at the time thought that I um, had talent or, I guess, what it takes. Yeah. But because I tried to make things sound a little more d- dramatic. Right. Um, but I thought I sounded great, <laughs> which is, I mean, I don't think... I didn't sound good, but it was um, it wasn't it's, it's as not natural like, a delivery right. as I'm able to produce now. It's not like How, egotistical. You just were right. like, "This is actually good." Right. <laughs> However, when I first saw myself on camera, I didn't recognize myself. Really? Because I didn't recognize my facial expressions and how big I would open my eyes. They would look like I had just seen a ghost, <laughs> and I didn't know how to control them. And taking Bill Cooper's plug for Bill Cooper, oh, wonderful, wonderful, wonderful yeah. uh, coach and actor and and mentor. Um, when I took his class, I saw myself on camera and I was just blown away by how I didn't recognize who I was. And I did have to learn how to be more aware and control my facial expressions so yeah. that I wasn't looking surprised all the time when I was just happy. <laughs> but... Um, it's also, just posture and how you're moving and how the camera sees you. The camera sees you differently than you see yourself. Exactly. And right. so it took a while for me to get used to um, how the camera portrayed me as to how I saw myself in the mirror. 
foreign photos. And it wasn't bad. I just didn't recognize myself. And now I do, of course. But It's the subtleties, right? Especially in film, mm-hmm. that it's no small little things work. And the angles, the yeah. way that the camera looks at you from the side. You don't see yourself. You don't see your profile all the time. Or... Um, the way you move, you, you don't, you've never really seen yourself walking around, moving around, turning, looking at people. No. So I, that was what was really shocking for me rather than my voice. <laughs> <laughs> that's me. What? What? That's, that's me. Right. Mm-hmm. I have a little funny little number. Um, my wife knows I'm a little gangly walker. I'm a little awkward walking, you know, walking because I sprained my wrist as a kid. So oh. I walk really funny. But then she saw me play hockey. Uh-huh. She's just picking me up and she's like, that was you. you. You skate so graceful. <laughs> <laughs> and like, yeah, she's like, that's, I, I don't think I've ever recognized you on the ice before. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's the one we're, we're getting around to. We took the scenic route, but if you want to do voiceover, if you want to be an actress, the first thing you have to recognize is this is how you sound and this is what you have to look, this is what you look like. Yeah. And then you start from there. But at the same time, the way that you sound is can be manipulated because there you go. Yeah. I believe that our voices are like have a have a, a spectrum and that it your vocal range can be developed and it's almost like little different parts of your personality if you would huh. imagine like a half circle and on there are all these little friends of yours <laughs> that are your voice and you can get to know them and tap into them and use them. And it's not just about pitch and tone. It's about how you feel about what you're talking about and then it will naturally come out in your voice. So you can, it's just your vocal range that you develop. And so that's part of what I do with students is I help them discover parts of their voice that they didn't know they had, that they weren't aware of because maybe they only used that um, pitch or that tone in certain situations and they weren't really thinking about how their voice sounded at that time okay. but it happens a lot and it's about being able to control and having control and command of your voice um, so that if I need to pitch way up and sound a lot younger or friendlier or just uh, whatever they're looking for mm-hmm. I will do it um, and I'm happy to if I could use one example, because you just did an ad for Pioneer, um, the CD, the for the car. Your, oh, that's my demo, yeah. Yeah, your demo. <laughs> but it's very well done because it's very salacious. And it's the atmosphere, the everything is wonderful. Oh, uh, the, the yeah, that I understand what you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. it's very it's very bright. Um, it's a it's a brighter part of my yeah voice. Mm-hmm. So it's a little more open, like come enjoy, right? It's yeah. almost like a little up at the end it right? is mm-hmm. and those are techniques that you learn for commercial broadcast as well yeah and when you cast characters and this is a um, really a huge misnomer for voiceover you don't have to look the part for voiceover when you're doing like audiobook or like a visual but you have to sound right i I've, I've, mm-hmm. met so many people that i'm the voiceover for that character and like what mm-hmm. you don't have right to, yeah. mm-hmm. i know um one of the famous one john h benjamin who's done like you know from Archer, and now he did Bob's from Bob's Burger, mm-hmm. and he's done those voiceovers. But he doesn't go to cons because he does not look like any of them at all. Right. And everybody is so surprised, like, and they almost like repudiate, like, you? Yes. Yeah. You, right. <laughs> yes. Or a different gender. 
so you've got um right um like bart simpson exactly is yeah. is, is done by a female voice yeah. talent and then there was i don't know her name but i remember reading about a woman who voiced the part of two teenage boys brothers who sounded completely different and she voiced both of them that's and amazing pretty incredible that is amazing yeah yeah all right well we're gonna take a little break and back more with jessica hi this is two girls on a bench the podcast so we're two writers who tend to procrastinate just a bit we like to snack we like to talk we don't have time to write but we have time to do this podcast we certainly do join us on the bench listen in at number two girls on a bench All right, we're back with Jessica Moran's, and you just entertained the, I, you just give me a little snippet, but you used to live in Italy. I did. Yeah. Years ago, I went to Italy when I was 20. Okay. Yeah. And you lived there. I lived there for a year. I lived, and I went to university there, and I was there for a whole year, and including the summer, and then I came back and was absolutely miserable here and wanted to, <laughs> wanted to moved back so I was here for about five months and then I moved back and was there for another year working in any way I could but I lived in Rome the second year oh you lived in okay so Rome which is really kind of weird because you have of course the Colosseum right but across across right across the street is like a McDonald's it's kind of like <laughs> yeah we, we try not to look at that we never <laughs> see photos of that yeah. um yeah it was really great I lived in um a historic part of Rome, and I knew all the people on the street, and it was really fun. I mean, I was 21 years old. Can you imagine? I, it was great. Yeah. I had a boyfriend. Um, and, of course you do. You're yeah, in Rome. Of course yeah, you do. And, and um, my father helped me a lot and um, helped me stay there financially and thought that it was really beneficial to me. And, and then I came back, and then I went a third time mm -hmm. and was there for a few months, and I bought a uh, little like a little Vespa, but it's called a Piaggio, and it was a moped. And I brought it back to the United States in a crate, and my dad was so upset with me. He said, this what? is what you're spending my money on? Oh. But then when he saw it, because he's such a, a sucker for um, for beauty and for, he's like, look at this. It's just the, the lines. It's beautiful. I love it. It's great. So I had that for about a year, and then it was stolen. That was it. Do you have a favorite Italian dish? Um, well, I, I like to cook. Okay. Um, I really like a dish that's called linguine um, frutti di mare, which is the fruits of the sea. So all different types of clams and uh, mussels yeah. and calamari. Well, people um, think, Italian think like red sauces and pasta, but there's a lot of more seafood too. Yeah, there yeah. is. Yeah. And so I really like that. Um, I like uh, crocchette, which are like, um, they're like these rice balls it sounds really weird but um they have filling inside and then they have like a crunchy part in the outside um i love 
how dinners and lunches last a really long time in Italy. So if you go to somebody's house at 2 p.m. for lunch, you will be there until like 6. Yeah. And and then the you'll go out for a walk and then they start making dinner. It's just crazy, but it's really it's, fun. It's a full event, I mm-hmm. think. And people like here, especially like here in America, they think you just go out to dinner, you go out for an hour, and then you leave and that's it. But for <laughs> Italy, it's an all-day thing. Yeah. yeah, and they don't eat really before 8 p.m. It's really considered weird to to eat before that time and many people eat much later and um that's fine you know they they also um eat lunch later too so but it's it's i think it's part of just it's part of their culture mm-hmm. well every culture is part of food is part of every culture there are, yeah yeah definitely and there have been a lot of changes in italy i think i mean they have what is called tavola calda which is like a fast food so they have where you can go in and get things to go just like here i mean everything it's not like you know everywhere you go people are having large meals all day i mean they're big busy cities like milan i don't think they're taking three hours for lunch <laughs> well i did i watched all the episodes of stanley tucci going to italy oh, and the whole tour so great and, and it, Shattered a lot of myths and a lot of things and a lot of stereotypes I had about because Italian the, uh, foods they're always changing. You're always coming up with new creative things, right. and somebody's like, "That's part of Italy's come up with new ideas." Everybody well, thinks we're still traditional. That's we do the same thing over again, but that's a whole part of like inventing new things. It's like fascinating, right? And different areas of Italy, different types of food. Um, people in the north, especially like in Milan and. Um, where you get really close to other countries like uh, Austria right, and, not Switzerland. and all of that. They call them polentoni because they eat polenta more than pasta. And so it's a very different different type of cuisine. I yeah. mean, somebody from Sicily, they're almost like a different nationality than somebody who's really far northern or Italian and the dialects are very different. The yeah. way that people speak and there's standard Italian and then there are dialects that if spoken, I would not be able to follow at all. My, uh, I have a good friend, I won't mention her name, but she speaks fluent German. She took German in college mm-hmm. and she speaks, she can do all the dialects too. Yeah. And she lived, in, they lived in Germany for a couple of years wow. and she made a mistake. She speaked German low at a fancy restaurant and she's like, I screwed up. They're going to serve us for the rotten because they think we're lower class. <laughs> and her husband didn't get it. Like, our money's just good at anywhere. She goes, no, this is it's still. She should have spoken high German, right? Yeah. She goes, you don't understand. It's still here. It's still class order. So she's like, we have to leave because they're not going to serve us well. <laughs> I screwed up. I get the wrong dialect. So um, that's still kind of prevalent thing in the world of dialects mm-hmm. yeah. and interpretation. And um, yeah, especially if you train on dialects too. Mm-hmm. It's a, another discipline to work when you do voiceover yes definitely and with voiceover there's what they consider standard american english and a lot of people say well what is that well it's (laughs) without regional dialects but everybody has some sort of influence in their speech i mean you cannot completely cut it out but there are ways to become more aware of it so that you don't have say a strong east coast accent in a for a particular commercial unless that's what they're looking for or a southern drawl if you're trying to sound like you're from a place yeah. near canada right a little yeah, right <laughs> we have a huge listening ship in sweden i'm a little bit swedish i don't know anybody in sweden but i know for sure is how i talk 
has to do with something that yeah. I have a huge following mm-hmm. in Scandinavia, and that's probably why it slips up. It comes out a little bit. It's just part of my DNA. That mm-hmm. is probably why so many people in Sweden listen to my show. <laughs> they can relate, right? They can relate. So right. you're not you were never born and raised in Minnesota, and then you just kind of you're kind of a transport. So I grew up in Minneapolis. Okay, and. I've lived in different countries. Um, okay. In college, I majored in Spanish and Italian literature, so that's why I went to Italy and then um, also lived in several different countries in okay. Latin America. So. Minneapolis, okay. Mm-hmm. And then you, and then, then you travel, okay. I've but, traveled and okay. lived in different places. I lived in Miami for a decade. So there. That's, kind of, that's a huge shock for Minnesota. Yeah, and then moving back here was a really big shock for me. Like culturally, yeah. I just, um, it took a little while and the weather, I had to really get used to the winters again. <laughs> <laughs> but I yeah. have family here and I like the change of seasons. And I like how things move here and how things work. Um, Miami is very fun, but it's... Very loud. It is. and um, And I like a city that is... A little bit orderly, right? So um, Miami's a great place, though, to be. But it is very fun. And yet I like... I like being back here. Well, I've never been to Miami, but just it's it's a lot of stimulation constantly, (laughs) isn't it? Yeah. Um, Well, there's a lot going on there. And I think that it is always evolving like other cities, too. I think Minneapolis is a very different city from the Minneapolis I grew up in. And it's much bigger. And that I got shocked. We just we had a wedding like in 2018 to go to, and it was at the warehouse district. And I'm like, I know that place. And I looked around and I go, I don't recognize. Where are we? Yeah, it is totally different from even. It's very different from 15 years ago. The warehouse district. Right. Yeah, where it was this. That was the party place in the 90s, and now it's looks so different because there's apartments and everything. Like people live here. What the we right? To- yeah, there are a lot more condos and apartment complexes and it's yeah. it's beautiful though I, I like that area a lot it's very fun and especially in like like right it's the warehouse district and then across the street is the well not really across the street but a few more blocks is the first half and right that, yeah. yeah and and now it's north loop so i know I, I, everything's changing stop yeah. <laughs> yep right exactly so mm-hmm. minneapolis miami miami have you ever been back to miami Oh, yeah. 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 Many times. And my son was born there. Oh, he was? Yes. He is almost 14. And his name is Nicolás Minino Moraz. And he is the best thing that has ever happened to me. And I was almost going to dedicate today's podcast to him. Um, But I wanted to bring in my parents and um, talk about them just for a second. So... But Nico was born there, and when he was two months old, uh, we moved here, and my sister had just had a baby, and so we decided to hey, uh, raise right. our kids here, and they were, became close friends, and it's just been really nice to be with my family here. And my family had spread out across the country, too, and lived in different cities, yeah. and then kind of all migrated back here, like some people tend to do in Minneapolis. Um, but it's been nice, and so now we've been here since 2008. Okay. And that's where the kind of the start of warehouse district. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And so we, yeah. so it's been, it's 
been great. And uh, Nicolas is also bilingual, speaks Spanish very well, and he has done a little bit of acting. But he's okay, really I was gonna much add, more. I didn't want. I don't like to do personal questions, <laughs> but I was just gonna ask. He does he do voiceover as well? He has done some work, and he has auditioned for voiceover. Okay, but he's really into cooking and baking and all kinds of other things, and he's very funny and does all kinds of comedic skits with me and imitates people and is very good at doing impressions of people. So we'll see where it takes him. Okay. I think sometimes people are really good at things when they're young and they don't really see it as work. They just have fun doing it. So exactly. we'll see, we'll see what he gravitates towards. Well, we, we, I, when I used to work with students and teenagers and stuff, and it's a large thing and I try to break it up because we have to talk about kids being obsessed with things and like no you have to focus on school you got to get everything you know you're obsessed with your video games whatever and I always say that's what kids do they're obsessed with things and that's that we should almost encourage it a little bit rather than mm -hmm. constantly fight that he obsessed with this movie he obsessed with Batman it's like that's that's the point where you want them to do <laughs> and like that probably navigate to what they want to work for but right if you like cooking as a yeah, kid, yeah. I think that's going to stay, isn't it? Yeah, he's great. He made Rack of Lamb last week. What? Yes, he... When am I coming over? <laughs> sure. <laughs> exactly. That's the, great. The grocery stores really like us. <laughs> <laughs> the, the kitchen is the one place at my house where my wife can fire me. Oh. I can't, I can't fire her, but if I'm making something and she's, she peeks her head and she's like, get, get out. Get out. You're, you're ruining it. Is she it. Italian? She's Finnish. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Which is really weird because if Finnish people, they don't, and we're talking about ranges of voices on over, mm -hmm. but Finnish people, it's almost a culture of not expressing yourself. Mm -hmm. You know, if I would go to my wife and say, hey, we just won a lottery, and she'd be like, well, that's great. That's <laughs> that's her being jubilant. <laughs> and that's great. All right. Well, move on. And if you watch... Um, like the professional hockey players, like the Minnesota Wild, who have Finnish players on their team. If they score a goal, they'll be like, good job. Yeah. It's that yeah. subduedness. Yeah, yeah. Especially in northern Minnesota where a lot of Finns are, which is, oh. um, you know, when Finns came here, they were like, don't go to Tower, Minnesota, embarrassment. That's the coldest spot. And they're pretty much, don't tell us what to do. And they all go, <laughs> <laughs> it's that stoicism of, yeah. we're going to do it no matter what. And life's rotten already. And I can deal with it. So it's, a, it's like jubilation. I would very hard. I've never seen my wife being super jubilant. <laughs> Maybe three times in my yeah. life. But that's just the nature of it. Yeah. Yeah. Which but is that really doesn't weird. mean they don't feel it. No. They just, it's people, that's the beauty of different cultures. People express things differently. And it can be really nice to be around somebody who's kind of calm than somebody who's always super, you know, intense. Right? <laughs> so... I uh, there's a place for most people, right? And I um, I went to college with my, my friend. Um, I won't mention her name. Her boy, her brother, who thought Italians were just the most wonderful people, intentionally took classes to learn how to speak mm -hmm. Italy. And he lived there, and he met an Italian woman, and they have their own little cafe. And I don't remember. I can't remember when, but uh, <laughs> it just popped in my head right. that of Italy. But that's the, the huge difference of Italy. It's almost like you constantly are out right constantly show emotions but i think yeah. so but i think people are people and i think that um a lot of the people that we know 
to be Italian or to be Latin American and to be very vivacious and bright, those are the ones that stand out. And we could be around a whole bunch of Italians that are just kind of quiet and shy and we just wouldn't know. It's kind of like when Americans travel to Europe and maybe they speak English to everybody. And so then they have a reputation for being kind of loud and obnoxious and Crass. speaking English really loudly. Yeah. But those are just the ones that people hear. What about all the, the Americans that are blending in and that are learning a little bit of the language and being more immersed in the culture and not standing out, right? I mean, yeah. those are the those are the ones. Not all Latin American guys are... Uh, you know, speaking, dancing salsa and, you know, right. uh, playing loud music and 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 eating spicy food. I mean, these are all these right. are all just people that stand out within the culture. There are a lot of quiet people, I think, in every culture. Well, before we uh, <laughs> mentioned there's a lot of things I train students on is we, we get trapped in what we call the single single story. Mm-hmm. person yeah where all of a sudden you, you say italian like oh, oh i already got my idea what italian is and that's <laughs> why i want to talk about it because there's different varieties like foods and people and everything exactly. but we get trapped in this you know the single story if i say somebody's from germany oh we already have an idea what that means mm-hmm. but i think if you introduce people and just relax there's more than just the single story and that gets a trap to where you go to even stereotyping exactly yeah. and voiceover is really not so much about your voice as it is about telling a really good story that's yeah. what it is whether it's the story of concert tickets that are coming out next week or um how to get help for a sinus infection or uh, a great audiobook mm-hmm. or maybe it's just how to set up a Christmas tree and it's an explainer video. How can you tell a really good story exactly. that makes yeah. the person who's listening feel different about what you're talking about afterwards? So yeah. whether they feel like they understand or they feel inspired or they think it's funny. I mean, I think sometimes people think that voiceover is easy because you're just saying some lines like for a Burger King ad, but um, What's the story? being able to sound... Like you're talking to someone and not talking at that person, it's not that easy when you're reading the words. That's why we we take it off the page. We look at the line and then we say it. We don't read it in voiceover. I almost never read it. I look at it, grab it off the page, and then I say it into the mic as I stare off into the dark right. cavern of my booth. Well, you, you have to do it if you're in a, a a band. You can't just see the lyrics on the teleprompter. Exactly. You have to say it. You have to sing it, sing, say it, play it. Believe right? it. And yeah. then you're saying it. And I always teach my students that. I say, pull it off the page. These lines are short. If you can't say eight words without reading it, then you need to get better at doing that because it, it completely changes the way you say it. Because... We don't think about every single word that we're going to say before we say it. We just talk. Like right now, we're having a conversation. I'm not planning what I'm going to say. But when I'm reading, the sentences bleed into each other in a way that's very different from speech. Yeah. And so the less we can read and the more we can speak, the more we will book. (laughs) But no, the more we'll book gigs, but the more we will sound authentic and believable. Right, and then I think we're coming mm-hmm. to the it's 
you we're coming find trying to find the authentic you coming right, out. Right, because yeah. that's what they want. People often look at the specs on an audition and say, What do they want? What do they want? I look at the specs and I say, What can I provide? What can I give? Um, because I cannot be the person in the work in progress clip that they yeah. send me that has somebody reading the script and if I try to imitate that voice I, I probably they don't even want that voice in the first in the first place they're just looking for that cadence so you should never imitate anyone and then you also want to be able to bring your own personality to it because if they loved that person in the video that's the example they're sending you for timing and pacing yeah. and they would have used that person they're looking to cast someone and they want you Whatever makes you special, and you may not be the person they're looking for, but they don't want you to pretend to be anybody else. I remember or try the change. to sound like anyone. I'm, I'm sorry to interrupt yeah. you, but but I, I remember the change from voiceover because when I was a kid, like in the '80s and '90s, it was how fast you can talk, how much you can spit out. You know, the gimmick was how much you can squeeze yeah. in 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And I realized right when it changed is right when they started using Sam Elliott, mm -hmm. where it wasn't, "Hey, buy this truck," and I was like, "Where's Sam?" And I was like, oh, my God, that's wrong. You cannot mm -hmm. wait to all new Chevrolet Avalanche. And I was like, that is wrong. They're going to they're gonna cut that. They should cut that. <laughs> then I realized that's not what they want. They want the authentic voice. Yep. And that's what it is now, where it's not the, the tools of training of how much you can spit out fast and get your tongue out of the way, which is they want the authentic self to spit out. And I think that's kind of the start of what happened in the 90s. Yeah. It does. They want a natural delivery. They call it a conversational or everyday voice. But it's it's not the same as a conversation that you will hear on the street where you'll just hear an everyday person speaking. Yeah. You want to sound like you're talking to somebody, but your voice still needs to sound different than just a conversation you're going to hear between two people on a bus or somebody buying something at a store because it's boring yeah. you know to, to listen to uh just somebody who has no musicality or uh isn't excited about what they're talking about yeah. however there are still a few companies that use the hard sell they call it selly the selly voice um or really polished voice a lot of furniture stores still do uh jay-z penny does um Kohl's which he, they're yeah. more they're more kind of I don't want to say old school but more traditional Classic. commercials where it's more um ads like come in get 25% off kids clothes 30% off women's you know that doesn't that sound right. it doesn't sound like somebody's talking to me it sounds like they're just speaking out to a crowd or giving information yeah. and that has its place because people are used to hearing it so they'll recognize the Coles ads yeah, it's like a on the radio yeah. so it's not it's not bad it's just different um, but you won't hear that on a Starbucks commercial but it's, it's <laughs> if you use that almost like oh that's right there's a call because you recognize you the recognize pitch it. the audio and they're like and oh you, yeah. yeah just then like you, you then recognize you... flow from progressive you know she's there she is and like even <laughs> exactly. though right so um there isn't just one way to do voiceover. There isn't just one style. And I think that it's refreshing to hear all the different types of commercials that are out now. And, and they're all different types. There's, you know, your, uh, I guess you'd say brand imaging where you, they never even meant, they never even mentioned the product. The or product. It's just all the image that surrounds it. It's really beautiful. It's all trappings of telling a story. Yeah. I think even, 
being an actress in a, in a movie, you know, being a character in the movie mm-hmm. is part of telling the story. Yes. A model, we had Chrissy Giroux on, and I told her, you do great telling a story. And she's like, that's what I do with modeling. You're telling a story in one single frame. That yeah. It's you that's know, hard work. And then it's hard to tell an complete. I go. I already have like a third act in my mind of what's happening <laughs> in your picture. And you're that's doing right. that with voiceover where the 30 seconds or 10 seconds of speaking, you're telling a story that has, it could be memorable or unforgettable. Yeah. And that's my critique for everything. I, I think even when I watch anything, anything art related mm-hmm. or, you know, anything I say, is it memorable or unforgettable? And if I remember it, then I have a nice soft memory. Yes, I but agree. If, mm-hmm. But if something can be unforgettable, like I'll never forget that I heard or saw that, that is key too. Yeah, what a great yeah. distinction. And I think it's great when it's both. It's memorable mm-hmm. and unforgettable. I think right. great movies, great pictures are memorable and unforgettable. I will never forget I saw this or I'll have a nice memory of that. Yeah, yeah and we don't know exactly in voiceover or in acting what we will be good at, yeah. what will come naturally to us. And sometimes the genre picks you. I didn't know that I would get into radio imaging at all. And a contact that I had on LinkedIn reached out to me and said, would you like to audition? Can I send you an audition? And I thought it was for commercial. But I knew that, that he was in radio imaging. And he sent it to me, and it was radio imaging, and I had never done it. And I had been planning to get into radio imaging And I thought, I'm going to do this because he heard my voice, so he must think that I'd be good at it. So I got this producer, Chad Erickson, and I said, what have you got going on today? And he said, what's going on? And I told him about this big radio station that wanted, that was interested in me, that I could be interested in me. And I auditioned and he basically taught me how to do it that afternoon. We sent in the audition and they really liked it. And... Then I didn't hear anything for a month. And I thought, oh, that's it. And it is rare that a big station would reach out to an unknown person. But then I thought, I'm going to get into radio imaging because I love it. So I had a big demo produced, and it caught the attention of Atlas Talent. And then the radio program director reached out to me, and he said, I know it's been a while, but I want you to know that I am really interested in having you. We're going to partner you with somebody. And then he reached out to Atlas Talent. And so (laughs) the president of Atlas Talent said, who is Jessica Mraz? (laughs) First I get her demo, and now you're coming to me. And that is how I got signed with Atlas Talent, which is the biggest agency in the U.S. So it's a big deal. And now I'm going to be on this radio station. And if you had told me that in the beginning of September, I would have thought, no, I'm not. (laughs) But I took a big risk. And I did it, and it was really thrilling because I was told, if I may elaborate a little bit about my earlier days, that I would probably do luxury ads and corporate narration because my voice is so low and because I have a little bit of authority in my voice. A little bit. And that my voice is smooth and low, and so I will do those types of ads. And I thought then okay that's what I should do then so I should try to do Dove chocolate or I don't know <laughs> Lexus but you know th- that is just one part of who I am I also can voice uh, audiobooks for kids I've done over a hundred books for for kids and uh, it's really fun it's really interesting so we are limitless and we have to really 
trust that the industry sees us differently than we see ourselves because we think we know ourselves so well, but what we project is very different often yeah. than who we are because we're so used to ourselves. So you have to really listen for those little opportunities that come your way that can become big opportunities. I absolutely agree. I absolutely agree. Um, especially when you start a show. Yeah. Right. And it's such a pleasure to be here and talk to you about the things that have really changed my life because voiceover didn't just change my life. It saved me from so many things that, um, hadn't worked out for me in my life. And so it's just been an incredible blessing. It's nice because you, you talked to the beginning of the show, how it, it's the illusion of everything is linear. You're going to one step, one step. Right, it's not. And um, you're showing it definitely is, that road's closed. Okay, we're going to go this way, this way. <laughs> no, it's yeah. totally different. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. had I had my first demo recorded by my first agent at more creative the deal was if i would audition and get in they would cut a demo for me in spanish because they needed more spanish speakers and so i did it so i didn't even have a demo in english until like a year later <laughs> and i was with them within five months of starting training so i signed with them and it was exclusive with them for two years at which point i decided to expand a little and yeah. do more on-camera work with other agents and now I'm exclusive with Nuts. And I love the relationship that I have with my agents there. And Laura Johnson is a talent as well. Uh, she owns the agency and she is fantastic. And I was an on-camera talent there first for almost a year before they considered me for voiceover. And then suddenly out of the blue, they said, oh, we've been listening to your demos and we'd like you to come in and audition because they had an opening on their roster. And they have a very select amount of people. Very and I went in and I auditioned and she said, well, I don't know why we wouldn't take you. And I, I got in and then other opportunities opened up with different agents in different cities. And it's been great. It's but who knows uh, how things will be. The demo is not the goal. The demo is the result of having achieved the goal of being a really great actor that can tell uh wonderful story on mic that's what voice acting is and so then the demo represents that it isn't uh anybody i mean you can cut a demo by parroting the producer and just yeah. say it a certain way but will you be able to audition and book work you know the skill has to be developed and that that takes time and consistency Practice. right and that's the other thing i want to when i was talking to you and the other illusion of voiceover is is going to work for a few hours and you get to go home and that's there's a little more to it Definitely. You have to mm -hmm. practice. You have to learn it. It's a craft that you constantly, it's just. Other you know, skills. Yeah. I mean, if you have to do a 40 second read and you have to cram it into 29 seconds, that's very difficult. And often you will get a read, not from some of the bigger companies, but if you work privately with clients yeah. um, or clients that are in Europe and they give you a read, it could be 43 seconds. Oh, we need this in 29. Well, it's really difficult to do that. So you have to do it in a certain way and you cannot close your mouth. You have to keep your mouth open the whole time so that you aren't wasting time opening your mouth and so that you can speak clearly and you don't have mouth noises. And you also can learn to do sentences that are very quick and then take a break. And then read the next sentence quickly. But you don't rush between the sentences. So ah. that's a technique that I taught myself uh, because I thought, 
okay, I can get it done in 30 seconds, but it sounds rushed. And then I remembered, yep, stop. Stop after each sentence because you can always close that gap in editing. Yes. So these are these are things that you learn. But if I told everybody that the first day in class, they wouldn't be able to absorb it because they're just trying to figure out how to cram. say the words yeah. <laughs> cram it in, you know, cram that it. are on the script. So some of the best things that we learn about voiceover, we teach ourselves out of necessity. You just suddenly realize, oh, I'm going to try this because what I'm doing right now isn't working. Yep. So let me try this. Oh, wow. I just taught myself something. And with that comes the confidence that you know you can do anything. Because you just learned 43 seconds into 28 and it sounds good. <laughs> well, Jessica, I, I think we could continue on and on and on and on <laughs> talking about this. And of course, it's voiceover, so we're comfortable talking. But mm-hmm. um, I would come to the end. But thank you for coming. Thank you, thank for, you for having me. It's this been is a pleasure. Um, before we go, how would anybody, and once again, if you want to, uh, before we go, how would anybody contact you if they're interested in being part of the classes or? <laughs> Call me. No. Um, um, you can reach out to me via email. I'm at jessica at jessicamaraz.com. Um, we'll put the email down below. Yeah. Too, and my the... website is jessicamaraz.com. Yeah. Um, I'm on Facebook with just my name and I'm on Instagram at, at jessicamaraz. Yeah voice actor um, and you can reach out to my agents if you're interested in booking I love meeting new people and I love talking to actors so you can reach out to me with questions about my classes um, or if you just want to I don't know get to know somebody <laughs> who really loves voiceover <laughs> thank you for having me today well thank you Um, And Jessica knows it's not over till the guests say it's over. It's over. Uh, There we go. (laughs) 